0: This weekend, we start a brand new series called uh, Grace Poured Out. And it's something that I think that we all need to understand. It's part of my spiritual journey. And over the course of the next several weeks, I'm going to talk to you this issue about what is grace poured out and what was Paul talking about in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. And uh, because if if you're not careful, that you can become a Christian, and the Bible tells you that when you become a Christian, you've been set free from the past, and you've been set free from the sins of the past, you've been set free from the junk and the stuff of the past. But the problem is, a lot of times is we don't live like we're free, and we don't live like we've been forgiven of the past and some stuff in the past. Maybe it's because of a religious upbringing. Uh, maybe it's because of some things that m- mom or dad have said or some people have said that are significant to us. But the the truth is this, is that a lot of us, we really don't act like, we don't really live like, we don't really act like we're free. And a lot of us are still, if you would, are still shackled to the sins of the past. See, that's the problem when you don't understand you've been set free, when you don't understand that you've been forgiven of some of the stuff of the past, that it shackles you to that sin of the past, and it, it just, it messes up today, and guess what? It messes up your future. Now, I'm going to teach you a principle that maybe you've not, a, maybe not have thought a lot about. Maybe you've never thought about this principle. It's a life principle. It's also a biblical principle as well. Um, and it's kind of the key to this whole thing of understanding grace poured out. And the principle is just a simple principle. The principle is this, is whatever you seek first in life organizes every aspect of your life. Whatever you seek first in life has power over everything in your life you see we all have things that we seek first in life we all have things that we give our first attention to our first resources to energy to time to focus to uh we give our lives to but whatever you seek first in life that is now in charge of your life whether it's a career whether it's a family whether it's an education whether it's a profession uh whether it's a relationship I mean, you hear this all the time, right? You hear people and you're around them and you realize that and that's what they're passionate about. And some people are so passionate about what they seek first that all of a sudden what you seek first, well, it's in charge of your life. And so that's why Jesus was preaching in Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus was talking to believers and he was saying, you know, don't seek the same thing that the world seeks. Don't seek the same thing that non-Christians seeks. And then all of a sudden, verse 33, he says this, talking about this principle, and he says, but for you, but for the believer, seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, understand what the kingdom of God is, seek first the kingdom of God, and guess what? The kingdom of God is now in charge of your life. And so if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, he makes this huge promise, and all these other things, all these other things will be added unto you. See, God is not looking for ways ways to quit blessing you. God is looking for ways to continue to bless you. And when you understand this principle, when you understand whatever you seek first organizes your life, whatever you seek first is now in charge of your life. Whatever you seek first is priority in your life. But when you seek first the the kingdom of God, it's about plugging into a, a power source larger than you. It's the power sources, the, the provisions, and the protection of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is simply this. Is, it's where God rules. It's where God rules in your life, in your ministry, in your family, and all of the relationships, your career. And to where you, you're able. Because see, here, here's what a lot of people do. They make some small changes in their life, but the changes never last, right? And it's kind of like trying to fix an electronic device. And you can, you can turn some knobs, and you can make some adjustments, and you can do some small things. But unless you take that electronic device and plug it into the wall and plug it into a power source, it may make a small difference, but it, may, it won't make a large distance and a difference, and it won't, it won't last. The same is true with us spiritually, that, that we can make some small changes in our life. But until we understand this principle, until we understand the principle of whatever we seek first in life, then it organizes everything in life. You know, I mean, you, you see bumper stickers, right? And you kind of get that, like I I I live to hunt, and you know that that is in charge of everything, and life is organized around that. And that's why Jesus says, "Boy, if you would just learn to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all of these things will be added unto you." See, freedom comes in life; spiritual freedom comes in life. When we understand the kingdom of God and we seek first the kingdom of God, listen, the freest people I know in life are those that seek first the kingdom of God. The freest people that I know in life are those that have come to the place to where they understand that God's word is, is authority in their life and, and to where they understand. See, when you seek first the kingdom of God, you realize and you understand God is the source of my life and everything else is a resource. See, what happens in life a lot of times is is we think all these other things are the source. My family is the source for my happiness. My relationships are the source for my happiness. My career is the source. My education is the source. Uh, My my status is the source. My reputation is the source. And so what happens is when we believe that, and all of a sudden we make that the source, and then when we go through a difficult time, guess what? God's just a resource to us. He's just there to get us out of a bad spot. He's just there to get us out of some difficulty. He's just there to be kind of like that genie in the sky that just kind of helps us out in a time of need. But the scripture says freedom comes. Freedom comes when we seek first the kingdom of God. See, there's a lot of people that are in bondage, and, and they don't even know they're in bondage. See, a lot of people tell you, well, you know what freedom is? Freedom is the absence of something. Freedom is an absence of a circumstance I'm in. Freedom is an absence of a situation I'm in. I mean, listen, let me tell you something. The Bible says this, the freedom, freedom is not the absence of something, it's the presence of someone. In fact, here's what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, He says, now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, guess what? There is freedom. See, if you would say this morning, you know what? Boy, I could really live in freedom if I could get out of this situation. If I could get out of this circumstance, my life would be totally different and I'd live in freedom. And guess what? You're in bondage. Because you now believe that freedom is the absence of something and not the presence of someone, the presence of Christ. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Philippians. Philippians is about joy, that's the basis of the book of Philippians. You know where he wrote it? He wrote it in Philippi in a jail. He was dying, he was starving. Apostle Paul knew that freedom is not circumstance, freedom is not situations, freedom is the presence of someone. And he could write about joy. Jesus said this in John 8 32 about trust. He said this, or about the truth. He says, You will know the truth, and guess what? The truth will set you free. You see, truth is not an idea, truth is not a philosophy, truth is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. See, is to where we understand and have a relationship with him the Pharisees they knew the Bible very well but they but it it brought death to them because of how they knew it and the way in which they knew it and it brought death to them and the people around them see truth that sets people free is when you understand facts and doctrines from the perspective of of God himself and truth is a person his name is Jesus Christ And that's why he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. You see, when you look at God's word, God's word really doesn't change circumstances. It changes you, and you change circumstances, and you change situations. And so we come to this part about grace poured out. And so we need to understand that, do you realize you're the object of God's grace this morning, and that he desires to pour his grace out on you? And one of the reasons I've entitled this message, Accepting God's Grace, is because it's something we have to accept. It's something we have to receive. Someone can give you a present, but it's not beneficial to you until you accept that gift, you open that gift, and you use that gift. And the same is true in this issue of forgiveness of sin and forgiveness of the stuff of the past. So here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Here's what he said. Blessed be the God and Father our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, there's the first blessing, he chose you. That we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. A couple of things about this verse. The first thing is is you'll notice that Beloved is capitalized. That's just another title for Jesus Christ, that he has blessed us in his son. He has blessed us in Christ. But where he says to the praise of his glorious grace, it means grace poured out. Now, there's conditions of grace, and we'll talk about conditions of grace, but grace is never to be seen as a license to sin. I mean, you'll hear some people talk, and they'll say, you know what? Because I'm a Christian, I'm going to live however I want. I can, I can live with whoever I want. I can do with whatever I want. I can make choices however I want. Because no matter what, guess what? I'm a Christian. And God understands. God just wants me happy. And he kind of gets it and he understands. But that's a person that doesn't understand grace. That's a person that doesn't understand scriptures. Because when you see grace poured out, his grace keeps coming. His grace keeps pursuing us. His grace. Listen, let me tell you something. And I'll talk to people and they're in bondage and they say, you know what? I just... I just feel hopeless like this morning I I was I was on my way to church I got up early I was on my way to church in the rain needed something to eat I went in a place and a and a guy in a truck and it was an old truck uh, was was broken down and I decided to help him now before you think I'm a hero that I helped a guy with his truck in the rain I just gotta let you know his truck was stopped in the to-go line of Burger King and I was behind him (laughs) I needed something to eat so I mean, what are you gonna do? I mean, either. <laughs> so, so I don't want you to think I'm a, I'm, I'm the hero, okay? And that's why I'm not telling the illustration. I mean, what do you do? I mean, I needed to eat, and I'm thinking I'm not getting out of this to go line unless we help this guy. And so I get out of my truck, and and he recognized who I was, and I it, he had been a person that had been a part of our church years back, and and he's just in um he's in a difficult place, and it, it was like one of those. God things and he's just in a difficult place to where he would think he's hopeless. Let me tell you something. In the life of a believer, hopeless should never be in our vocabulary. Just biblical thought, biblical principle. Every miracle in the old testament started with a problem. Every miracle in the old testament started with the feeling of hopelessness. Unless God does something in my life. So let me tell you something. If you have a major problem this morning, i got great news for you. Every miracle of Scripture started with a problem. So don't give up. God is not looking for ways to quit blessing you. God is looking for ways to keep blessing you so his, His grace continually is poured out on you. Now, just two principles this morning about this issue of forgiveness of sin. Because a lot of times that's what entangles us. Because even though we're believers, even though our sins have been forgiven, it's like we're shackled to them and we, and we, just, we just can't forget them or we just keep rehearsing them or whatever. The first principle about, about sin is this, is God's grace forgives sin completely not partially not kinda just a part of it not not if you if you if if you work it off or if you do enough hell marys or any of that other stuff God's grace what scripture says is this: is God's grace forgives sin completely a lot of times it's hard for us to comprehend perfection but yet the Bible tells us that that we're a new creation and it's hard for me and maybe it's hard for you to comprehend how how God can how God can forgive and forget because that's hard for us as humans right that's hard for us on a, on a human level to forgive someone and to forget but yet scripture tells us that that he treats us not as our sins deserve In fact is the scripture tells us in Ephesians 1 6 to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved and so three things about how how God forgives us completely what does he do with our sins The first one is this, is he distances our sins from us. This is really bizarre to me. This is an illustration that was used back in biblical times. This is an illustration that was used thousands of years ago. And God used this illustration because to help them understand, basically it's something they can't comprehend. But you know what? We still can't comprehend it today. Watch this. This is a verse that just ministered to me greatly when I was walking in bondage in my spiritual life and I was entangled with a bunch of the stuff from my past and didn't believe that God really forgave me. Ephesia, uh, uh, Psalms 130, 103, 12, here's what the scripture says. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Now, we could probably just stop right there and meditate on that verse, pray that verse, make it personal. In fact, is, when I was in this journey of my life, this is one of the verses that actually in my Bible I I added my name and I made it very personal. And and I, I just changed the verse to God has removed Charlie's sins. As far from him as the east is from the west. See, many people have been taught since childhood that they were maybe imperfect or inadequate or no matter what the... They just weren't good enough. Maybe they were abandoned. It felt like that they couldn't satisfy their parents. They, couldn't, they didn't feel like they could meet their expectations. Or No matter what, no matter how hard they tried, they just always felt that they, they weren't good enough. the parents were always pointing out how they could have done better, what they should have done, and all of those other things. And then they come into their adult lives, and, well, they see God through the perspective or through the lens of their parents. And they see God as an unpleasable God. Or God that they can never please and they can never get his acceptance and and don't miss next week next week We're going to talk about how to to get totally set free from from your past, but God's grace what he says God's grace distanced our sins From us in other words. He put us in a position of holiness and righteousness and he put us in a position as if we'd never sinned Fact is the scripture says that he removed our sins. So who removed them? God did see a lot of times we think it's up to us to remove them that we got to do enough religious stuff We got to do enough good works. We got to work it off But scripture says that God removed them from us. You see God uses a, a word picture He uses something that we can understand because he uses this picture to help us understand Forgiveness and distance of sin with something that the human mind can understand. I mean we understand distance, right? I mean distance is something that we can understand miles yards feet uh, inches, uh, we we can we can comprehend that. We can even comprehend great distances. We can comprehend the distance between here and the moon, here and the sun, uh, here to to a galaxy. Time is something else that we, we can comprehend and we can understand. We can understand seconds and minutes and hours and days and years and decades. But here's the interesting thing: with all the technology, with all the sophistication, with all the equipment that we have today, can anyone comprehend really the distance between east and west? And it's just a really interesting concept. God wants you to know that your sins are far from you. And so what he did, he, he introduced a concept to help you understand that it's something beyond your comprehension. In other words, it's beyond your belief. It's, some, it's something that you have to accept by faith. And so those of you that are having problems and, and you're going back and you're, you're like playing tapes in your mind and... And I shouldn't use that word tapes in the Saturday night service I used. I said, hey, some of you, you're like playing those tapes in your mind and, and you're rehearsing the memories. And so a mom came up to me and says, Pastor, you got to understand, my kids were confused. They don't know what tapes are. <laughs> I'm like, well, thank you very much. I feel old. <laughs> fact, fact is, I felt really old on Saturday. Our worship team did one of those as a, as a group bonding event. Uh, we did a video scavenger hunt, you know, a photo scavenger hunt where you, they give you stuff and you go all over town. And and take pictures and bring it back and you get an iTunes card or whatever you win. Well, one of our youngest members of the praise team was in our group and we got to that item as far as find a rotary phone. And she goes, "I don't know what that is." <laughs> I'm like, "I'm going to punch you." I mean, <laughs> I just feel so old. I, says, I said so then we had to we had to explain it to her and she says, "Well, where would you find one?" I says, "We'll go to the antique shop down on Union." <laughs> Where there's people my age and we'll find one. So, so that's a little off track, but here's the deal. So if you're, if you're rehearsing those uh, movies of your past in your mind over and over and over, and you're, you're replaying the failures and the hurts and the sins, then you're going to live under the bondage of guilt. And somehow you're going to feel like, no matter what, I'm just not good enough. But God introduces this, this concept that he, he distanced our sins from us. So I got a deal for you. You go and find a, fro- a, pro- a formula for this problem of the equation of how far is the East is from the West. Fact is, before the Saturday night service, I Googled it. And I just asked the question: how far is the East from the West? You know how many hits I got? 612 billion or million. Six hundred and twelve million hits. No one can solve it. No one can come up with a, a formula. No one can figure out the distance between the east and the west because the problem is the east and the west never meet. You're always going east or you're always going west. You can go northeast, you can go southeast, or you can go just plain east. But when you go around the globe, you're always going east or you're always going west. And it doesn't matter how far you walk, it doesn't matter how long you walk, you're always going east or you're always going west. And so God is trying to help us understand, so how far does he take your sins from you? As far as the east is from the west. Oh, and guess what? It's beyond your ability to comprehend that distance. It's beyond your ability to figure that out. Now listen, the illustration's obvious. If your sins are impossible to find, then why are you still finding them? why are you still remembering them? Why are you still dragging them? Why are you still being haunted by something that doesn't exist? Because God's Word says this, guess what? There's no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. And because of God's grace, there's no condemnation. See the problem a lot of times is this, when you don't seek first the kingdom of God, when you don't understand that God is a source and everything is a resource, then it changes everything for you. And you can go through life and you say, well, I know what God's word says. God's word says that he cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. I know God's word says there's no condemnation in those in Christ Jesus. I know God's word says he'll make my sins as white as snow. I know God's word says that he'll take my sins and put them behind my back, never to look on them again. And I get that. I know what God's word says. But this is what I say. I haven't been forgiven I gotta work harder I gotta do more I gotta work off these I mean I know what God says but here's what I say there is condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus And let me just tell you whenever your words line up more with the enemy than God you will always live in bondage you will never live free Whenever you believe, guess what, my word, what I say, is way more important or carries more weight than what he says. God's word says, God's word says you've been forgiven. Here's another thing, when he, when he forgives your sins completely, the scripture says he disposes of our sin. So he not only distances your sins from you, but it also says that he disposes your sins. You see, an interesting concept in the Old Testament they had, a, they had very little concept of, of distance in space and distance in world. It was hard for them to understand. The fact is it was even hard to, for them to understand the depths of the ocean. And they would try to determine the depths of the ocean different ways. They would take a rope, a long rope, and they would tie knots in the rope at you know, every foot. They'd take a large rock, tie to the end of the rock, go out in a boat, drop it off. And then when, the, when, it, when it stopped, when it hit the bottom, they could count the knots and they knew how, how many feet, how deep the ocean was. The problem was is when they got far enough out in the ocean, it wouldn't reach the bottom. And so for them, it's like this can't be comprehended. I mean, we, we can't understand this when he, when, he, when he puts our sins. Watch this. This is what Micah 719 says. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our, tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast our sins. Okay, so in case someone's wondering where your sins are, watch this. You will cast our sins in the depths of the sea. Now, with their limited knowledge, they couldn't understand that. They couldn't understand the depths of the sea. And, and guess what? We're no different. I mean, our world just recently has lost an entire jet passenger plane, right? I mean, in our country, I think the latest numbers, we we spent billions, like $12 billion trying to help find that jet, other countries have joined in the in the search and so you would think with all of our sophistication our radar equipment our technology and sonar and and they got the Navy out there and they got they got they got the finest electronic equipment possible and they just recently over the weekend said this says you know what we're probably never gonna find the passenger jet and then they said because the ocean is way too vast and way too deep and we cannot comprehend Everything about the ocean. Occasionally, it makes headlines when states try to dispose of trash, because that's like a big issue: nuclear waste and it will harm us and the environment. And just recently, in 1992, in uh, New York, uh, New York had a bunch of trash in barges on the Hudson, and they, they, uh, they took the barges and sent them down the Hudson River and, and out the East Coast and, and uh, all the way to Ecuador only to have Ecuador return it. And they said, you know, we don't, we don't want your trash. New Jersey recently, recently, five years ago, didn't know what they were gonna do with their, tr- their trash, loaded it up on a train and they sent it to Arizona. And Arizona sent, sent the train back and said, we don't, we don't want your trash. And so even in our community and other communities, there's, there's ways, especially computer electronics, mercury and plastics and this, there's a proper way to get rid of, of waste, right? Or it help, hurts our drinking water, it hurts us, and all of those other things. In other words, there's a proper way to dispose of our trash because if waste isn't handled properly, if it's not disposed of properly then it will harm you and the environment. Can I tell you this? If your sins aren't disposed of properly it will not only harm you but it will harm your relationships around you. When you walk in the guilt and the bondage of the past and you don't feel like, listen, you don't feel like you've been forgiven Are you been hurt so deeply you haven't forgiven someone? I'm telling you. You can harden your heart and you can say, I'll never be hurt like that again. You can build up walls around you and so nobody's ever going to hurt me like that ever again. And you may keep some bad from coming in, but you're also going to keep the good from coming in. And blessings from coming in. Jesus talked in Mark chapter 9 and said it's the condition of the heart that allows us to hear from God. And that when we harden our heart, we can harden our heart towards others, but we can also harden our heart towards him. Last thing when he forgives us of our sin completely is this, is, is he deletes our sin. Isaiah 43, 25, he says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I, here's here, here's a promise, and I will not remember your sins. It's not that he can't, it's that he chooses not to. And it, it's amazing to me the, the number of things that we forget. In 2008, I took a group from our church to, to Israel and and for the Easter service, I wanted to show a, a picture that we took of, of the empty tomb. And so as a result of that, I, I, went, I went online on our, on our computer and started going through all of our photos and pictures. And, and uh, it was amazing. That was just 2008. It's amazing the things, the memories I forgot. Why is it sometimes that, that we forget so many of the good memories, but we hold on to failures and to hurts and pains? And it's because we just, we just keep rehearsing that in my on my on my phone when when I get ready to delete a picture it always warns me and says you know it's on photo stream and all these other things and and so when I hit delete it says that, it, that if that if you want to delete this picture that's fine but but just know uh, it's gone for good I mean just know it's going to be deleted off of all of your devices don't you wish it worked that way spiritually don't you wish it just worked it, that God just supernaturally did something, and the moment you confess that sin, it was just like it was just like deleted. It was just wiped out of your memory. You see, He doesn't do that because of a dependency on Him. It's about a relationship and trust. Here's what the scripture says in Romans chapter five, verse twenty. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abound all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also must reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I mean, I'm telling you, whatever the sin is, His grace is more. I don't care how dark you think your sin is. I mean, if, if, if you're, if when I was in that phase and when I was carrying all that bondage and all that stuff, I mean, I could understand how God would forgive everybody else but me. Right? I mean, I, I could understand that. I could get that, how God, God's grace covered everybody else but me. God's grace covered everybody else's sin but mine. I mean, in those days when I was living in bondage, I, I would come into a church, and I'd see people dressed up and smiles on their faces, and I'd think, you know what? They probably don't have one problem in life. They probably don't have one failure in life. And you know what I learned? I learned this. A lot of us are just better at hiding it than others. And I learned that, guess what? All of us have problems. All of us have hurts. All of us have failures. All of us have pain in life. But God's word says this, that his grace is bigger than your biggest failure. It's bigger than your biggest sin. And Jesus, in John chapter 1, verse 16, to explain this principle, he put it this way. He says, far from the fullness we have all received. Watch this, an interesting phrase grace upon grace. In other words, that means grace piled on top of grace. That means grace continually piled up. In other words, what, what Jesus is trying to help us understand, that his grace is not limitless. His grace n- is never exhausted. His grace never ends. You have enough grace for today. You have enough grace for tomorrow. You have enough grace for, for the next day. You have enough grace for when you blow it today. And you have enough grace for when you blow it tomorrow. That it's grace upon grace. Grace upon grace means an ever-depending experience of the presence and the blessings of God. Because here's the deal. Freedom comes not in the absence of a circumstance in a situation. Freedom comes not in the absence of something, but the presence of someone. And that's why we can say, based upon his grace, I am totally and completely forgiven. The last thing this morning is this, is God's grace forgives sin freely. Though it doesn't cost us anything, it cost him everything by his sacrifice on the cross. Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as appropriation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, watch this. He had passed over our former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. His grace is not free for him. It is free for us. But it cost him everything. Everything. And there's a difference between cost and condition of grace. It cost him everything, and it cost him his life. And his son, Jesus Christ, went to the cross who lived a perfect life for the forgiveness of our sins. And the condition is this, is that we come to that place in our life to know that, guess what, all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. And to just acknowledge that my sin has separated me from God and then it comes confession and confession just simply means this to say the same thing as to agree with God to agree with his word and say God I'm agreeing with you that was wrong and I confess that and I'm asking you to forgive me I'm asking you to come into my life and as a result of that repentance repentance is simply this a change of mind that leads to a change of action where you understand if I keep going down this path, it is not going to end well. And God, I'm changing. That's condition. And he says, I totally and completely forgive you. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me just ask you this morning with your heads bowed and eyes closed, and the only reason we ask for your heads bowed and eyes closed is just so there's no distractions in this room. We're so easily distracted so let me just ask you what is your next step what is God asking you to do maybe your next step is really your first step to where you come to the place and and you understand Christianity is not a religion it's not about a religious thing it's about a relationship and you ask him you just tell him you just have that moment say God I need you in my life and I'm aware that my sins have separated me from you and Lord I'm asking you right now that you'd come into my life, that you'd forgive me my sin. I'll, Lord, I want to walk with you. And I want to understand what it means to live in freedom, where I don't have to live in the junk and the stuff of my past. I don't have to keep making the same mistakes over and over and over. I don't have to keep living in that. That I can be totally and completely set free. Maybe this morning you're a believer, and maybe you've been walking in bondage, and you didn't even realize it. You didn't even realize it until this talk. Maybe there's not really an awareness that you've been totally and completely free set free and forgiven. And maybe that's your next step. To live life in freedom. Maybe this morning you have a burden, you have a prayer request. You say, "You know what? I could just use someone to pray for me. I, I just need someone to lift that burden and we want to we want to lift that burden. We we've done this at every service in fact it is that we do this. We close every service this way here at Fellowship of the Rockies. So if you're carrying a burden, you say, "You know what? I need prayer." then in just a few moments after I pray and we stand, as we stand, if you need prayer for any area of your life, as we stand up, you just step out, begin making your way down. We'll have some people walking with you, there'll be some people down here, there'll be some prayer partners that greet you. Just tell them your name and how they can pray for you. Maybe you just need someone to pray for you, and just let you know that you're forgiven and you're totally and you're completely free. Maybe you're walking through a difficult time. You know what, maybe, maybe you're trying to make a great decision in life. And you just need someone to add their faith to your faith. If you have a burden this morning, let us lift that burden. After I pray, you come if you need prayer.